in this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast. I'm joined by multi-instrumentalist and musician as well as music business consultant Faraji Keats Judson, man. Uh, Faraji and I go back again on social media, you know, connected on there because we, we really are like minds, two like minds thinking alike about um, just how we see independent artists and really how we see the reason why we understand the, the importance of building a core. You know, we talked about um, just his his background as a musician and he's got some pretty cool industry credits, Chris Brown, people like that. Uh, so he's, not only is he doing, he did his thing creatively, but he's, he's transitioned now into the music marketing space and has created a course called the 11 Week Rollout Strategy that is really designed to help independent artists successfully release their records and uh, be able to grow their monthly listeners on Spotify and build that audience and most importantly that engaged audience. So this was a great episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Encourage and Inspire podcast, this is episode number 81. And man, I got a special, special guest with me today, man, my colleague, my, my guy, man, and Faraji Judson, aka Keys, the producer, man. What's going on, bro? How you doing? What's going on, the real man? How you doing, bro? Glad to be sitting, spending the time with you here and, and talking with you. Hey man, sure. it's, this has been a long time coming, man. I think yeah. you and I had connected on socials. And I want to say either he, he was either before Clubhouse or like right. I th- I don't know if we were in touch. Yeah, before, we connected before Clubhouse. Way before House, that, sure. yeah. So before it's been a year. House, it's yeah. been so. So you're talking about probably, probably twenty eight, probably 2018, yeah. 2019. So it's yeah. been a little minute. Yeah. It's been a little minute, man. And uh, and let me say, man, I am so. I we say before we started recording, man. I just want to give you your flowers, bro, because you. you're out here fighting the good fight, man, and. and you know, people will see what you're doing on the on the education space, but they don't even know the credits you have on the production side and yourself on your <laughs> the, the creative side you do. So we're gonna we're gonna get a chance to get into that, man. So 
Uh, sure, but, sure. So, but, so before, so I always like to ask this question, man. What's your earliest memories of music, man? What do you, what, what kind of made you fall in love that's, with this, this thing? That's a, that's a great question, Darrell. And, uh, and likewise too, I want to give you your flowers too, because you're, you're as well in this space. You're, you're fighting a good fight. I like to say. Uh, but my earliest memory of music is, you know, interestingly enough, I, I got into, I, my family was a musical family. So, you know, I have one older brother, five years older than me, uh, who was playing piano early as I can remember. My mom was a singer-songwriter or is a singer-songwriter. My dad, you know, on his spare time was executive director of a gospel choir as well, as well as learning how to play the piano. So I think in the wombs, <laughs> I was I was around it. But earliest remember, mem uh, memory of music is I had one of these little play keyboards. It was probably no bigger than, than probably two feet or maybe one one feet, 12 inches, right? And I was probably about, I was still a toddler. And I remember I played Happy Birthday by ear. Oh, wow. Okay. As a toddler. And so that was one of my earliest memories with music. And then even, like I said, just kind of watching my older brother play the piano, really being inspired by that. So I started plunking on the piano as, as early as was probably about three. You know, um, I, I even got a picture I have on social media where I'm, I can barely, I'm no taller than the bench. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's, and, that's and I'm sitting on the bench and, and, and I started playing. I remember I composed my first song probably at the age of six or seven. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what's up. That is what's yeah, up, man. I, I started really early with it for sure. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So when did you kind of know that you wanted to, to do this thing professionally or you wanted to take a real stab at this thing as like a career choice? Because it's one thing to love music, but it's another thing to like really pursue this thing professionally and all that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, most of my early years from in like elementary school, I was debating from being a scientist to being a lawyer. Even at one point in time, I guess because of movies, I thought I wanted to be a, a CIA agent or spy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought that. Okay. <laughs> but but always just being around music and being involved with it. And then I remember I had I got a Roland XB60 probably about the age of 12 or 13. And that allowed me to start really sequencing tracks and really taking music production seriously. Mm -hmm. And I started to do that. And what happened was it was the, the compliments from other people around me. You know, it was like, yo, you're you're 12. You're this good, you know, and you're so when I once I seen I was really good at something. Yeah. Then I started to say the reality of it being possible started to really like this. is I can really do this. You know, everybody loves praise. You know, I'm human like everybody else. You know, right. Right. So right, right. Yeah. People started praising me at a young age for, for being really talented. Uh, and 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 really, you know, going around from studios down here in Miami, just kind of working anywhere I could, and and I started to realize I was good, you know. And so then I, I think I got signed to my first management deal by the age of fifteen, where you yeah. know he put me and my brother both up in the studio, yeah, you know. And so I was just around people in the industry at a very young age, right. And that was a different time, like that was a different time in the industry. I mean, that was a time where people. Oh, yeah value development and they don't value much these days but uh they value development and time and it was a process you know so man that's awesome man 
That's awesome. And then you started just uh, uh, collaborating with a lot of established, well-known producers, writers, and yeah. working from, I mean, you and Miami guys. So Trina, Trey Daddy, you know. Yeah, I, I, I love <laughs> to get that story, right? So, again, you know, having my studio at an early age, at the age of 15, and I was in, where our studio was located, it was in downtown Miami, right across from the old Miami Herald building, and it was called the Venetian. And our studio was on the seventh floor. But the unique thing about the seventh floor was almost any and everybody that was in Miami doing music professionally, um, they had a studio or office in that building on the seventh floor. So I remember <laughs> my earliest days, you know, my studio neighbor was Benzino. You know, Benzino had his studio there. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. People's management company was on the floor. Uh, different producers like Gorilla Tech and everything. Uh, I remember... Paula Ray walking into her dad's studio as probably about 11. Oh, know? wow. Okay. And I'm like, funny enough, she wasn't even rapping there. Her brother was rapping, who who I, I'm still good friends with today, Chavo. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember her walking in the room full of grown men and just confidently being a young girl, just owning yeah. it, not, not being right. scared. Right. And I'm like, yo, she's going to be the star of the family. And sure enough, sure, sure enough. Years later, years later, you know, she, I mean, she is. Yeah, she is. And she's a star. Killing it. Yeah, yeah. she's a star. She's, yeah. a, she's a bona fide <laughs> star. So I, I remember I was in my studio just being there, you know, yeah. just showing up every day. That's another thing artists got to realize. You got to show up every day. You yeah. know, this is a this is an everyday thing. And the, the, the greatest, the best accomplishments, the best experiences I have, they happen when you least expect it. Oh, my God. Showing up yeah. every day. And I was in my studio just working on something that my brother, Gorilla Tech, he knocks on my door. At the time, I was calling myself 88 Keys before I found out about uh, Alicia Keys producing 88 Keys. But at the time, oh, I was calling okay. myself 88 Keys. <laughs> okay, okay. He goes, yo, 88, I, I got a problem. I'm like, what's good? He's like, man, I got this situation with this track. And what happened was Gorilla Tech is a, is a well-known Miami legend producer who's done everything from Trick, Trina, Plies, yeah. Uh, eight ball the MJG. Right. Great, great producer. One of my first production mentors gave me some valuable tips as a producer. Yeah. But the story goes, he gave Trick implies the same beat. Okay. And at the time, Trick was, you know, you know, Trick was already established. You know, yeah, he was yeah. legendary Miami. Yeah. And uh Plies was the new artist on the scene. Yeah. I remember hearing about Plies in about 2003. I was still in high school, yeah. so I remember hearing about yeah. Plies getting so, money in the street, like like so, before he was on, like really getting money, like rack, like in the it's like in the street, like that. As far as like, so this might have been 2006, 2007, right? Okay, yeah. So he was on by that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but he was still like he wasn't cemented like, yeah. like the trick was. So what yeah. happened was, you know, producers sending out beat packs or whatever. He ended up giving Plies and Trick the same beat. Mm. And they both wanted to be, and at the time, like there was like this little beef going on between Trick and Plies. A lot of people didn't know about, but and okay. so he's like, "Yo, I, I gave them the same beat. They both created dope songs to the beat." And he's like, "I can't disappoint Trick. Trick been rocking with me from day one, you know." But Plies is like the new hot artist, you know. And so he's like, "What I need is, he's like, I need you to come in and replay the chords on this song. We need to switch it up." Switch the beat up so it sounds similar. And at the time, it was an actual sample. So he was worried about copyright infringement as well. Yeah. Me being a, a, a professional musician, a qualified musician, he calls me in because I play keys, obviously. He's like, yeah. 
we need to switch this up. So I ended up laying, relaying the chord progression, doing what I needed to do so it wasn't a copyright infringement. So yeah. it was still different from, from the beat that he gave Plies. And so happened, the song that I worked on was a song called Tonight, featuring Trick, Trainer, and Jaheen. And it was like, okay. girl, you got a big old butt. Yeah, legs, yeah, yeah. Head, and, all that. and I like sexy. And so I ended up doing, laying the whole rose part for that. And, yeah. you know, that's how I got that opportunity with uh, with Tech, for sure. Yeah, man. You never know when opportunities are going to come. And you got to be willing to say yes, you know, and figure, yeah. you know, figure out the rest later. You know, one of my mentors, Cameron Remation, she's since passed on now. But she said... You always say yes, and you let the universe work it out. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, I mean, man, that is, that's, that's yeah, that's awesome, man. So, so, so talk, bro, talk to me about how, working with, talk to me about working with Chris Brown, man, and I know you. Um, similar, a similar situation, you yeah. know. Again, it's, it's those things you least suspect, because yeah. truth be told, you know, when I when I got the co-production credit on Chris, Chris wasn't in the studio. Um, in fact, I didn't even know who the track was going to. Okay. So what happens is I got a call. Again, similar situation. Somebody needed keys. You know, they needed some 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 keys laid, and I got a call uh, referred through a friend of mine's, and I show up to the studio. It was a little hole in the wall studio. This is why you can't judge things, right? Right. A little hole in the wall studio. It wasn't even in the real studio. It was an office building that they turned into a studio. One of the small rooms in the office, they turned it into a studio. Right. And I walk in and there's this there's this drum pattern laid. You know, and they're like, yo, we wanna we wanna get an R and B vibe going. And again, me being prepared at the time, you know. And truth be told, what I did was I'm like, okay, cool. And I, I took the chord progression from one of my favorite songs at the time that was on the radio, which was a song by Mario. Um, I think it was called Come On In and Save Me, something like that. It was produced by uh, Sean Garrett. But it was like one yeah. of my favorite songs on the radio. Yeah. And so I took that chord progression, but in a different key, okay. and I laid it over the beat, the drum beat that was already laid. Okay. And it was like, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. You know, because again, you can't copyright a chord progression. I knew right. that early on. Exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, they're like, yeah, that's it, that's it. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I laid the, I laid the, the, uh, the, the chord progression. Then I laid the bass on top of it, and then I laid the, the synth on top of it. Sure yeah. enough, end up leaving. Forgot about it. I completely forgot about it. Okay. Six months later, the guy that quarterbacked the whole situation called me. He was like, yo, remember that track we worked on? And truth be told, I didn't actually remember the audio or the track. I remember the, the actual scenario, the, 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 the actual situation, but I didn't remember the track per se. Right. And he's like, remember that track we worked on? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, Chris Brown's going to drop it on his mixtape in 2010. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, it's, it's coming out in 2010. And that was a part of the, the In My Zone mixtape, Medusa. I, yeah, I, dude, I literally was playing that, right? Not the song, but I have yeah, that on that my mixtape. iTunes. I have it on my yeah. iTunes uh, files right here, man. And that was yeah. inter- that's it, man. You never know the stories behind. That's why I love doing podcasting because when you meet people and you get tested, to become friends and and people who have some credits and you realize, wow, it really you know you never really know the backstory behind a lot of things, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you've also done a lot of stuff, you know, in, in concert promotion and, yeah. and even yeah. in, in arranging for 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 bands, artists like Tamar Braxton, JT Money. 
Mystical, yeah. Rico Barino, yeah. and oh man, that's Urban Urban Mystic, man. Like like that. That's that's one of those guys that you know he had a he had a hit record back in the day. It was yeah, he had a little, had a little shine. By Scott Storch, yeah, he had yeah. A, he had a little run. Yeah, um, his record was produced by Scott Storch. In fact, he had two records that that uh did okay for him for real. But um, yeah. his biggest record was uh produced by Scott Storch. But yeah. That run with uh with Urban Mystic, Tamar Braxton, that's when I I I had lost my mind and got in concert promotions. Oh wow, man. yeah, that man, that is a whole different, <laughs> that's a whole different beast. That's it a is. whole that's it a whole that's a whole different beast, man. That's a it whole is. different it is. that's a it whole is. different beast. And then obviously you also do stuff with the marching band. I yeah, want to yeah. say here, high school marching band, the Miami Beach High School, while yep. attending, uh. Our album out of Full Sail University, so we're both grads, yeah. you know. Well, so I didn't graduate. I, oh, you, I, oh, I, I you, oh look, you didn't graduate. Okay. I had to look it up just to make sure I could use the word alumni. I don't think I can say alma mater if I didn't graduate, but I know yeah. I can say alumni. I, right. I literally looked it up before. I, but um, I didn't graduate, man. I went for about a whole three or four semesters. I ended okay. up losing my scholarship. And, oh, what you know, happened I, with that? Man, truth be told, I, I got in a relationship. Okay. I got not so focused, and my GPA dropped below what it should. Oh, have. I, okay, got you, got you. And okay. so I lost my scholarship, and uh, yeah, and but the the good thing was right, which is why I value people like you and I. I had mentors, yeah, that were imparting wisdom to me, and some of my mentors they were you know guest lecturers at Full Sail mm -hmm. at different times in their career, but people like Francesca Spiro. Mm -hmm. uh, Curtis Shaw, David Jackson, but what I was learning in real time from my mentors was yeah, you can't really exactly. teach in the, in the classroom exactly. Yeah, and it's what they were trying to teach me in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when I lost my scholarship and I dropped out. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm I'm getting it in real time from my mentors. So yeah, and I, and I tell people this all the time. Look, so people who don't understand how people listen who don't have, have to understand real quick how Full State University works. So right. it's 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 a different education model where you join a class for four weeks at a time, and then it turns over. They, you know, they have the education because they understand how the creative brain works. But we want the creative right. brain. They do not want to sit in the class for six months. Right, they don't like. Right. They don't. You know. They don't. They don't. Something that they're not passionate about or want to learn about. Right. So right. you. You're, so you turn over in four in four weeks to the next yeah, course. Class was a month. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So really, in that, so there's only so much they can teach you in four weeks. Right, so exactly. and, and what I love about because the original name of Full Sail was Full Sail Real World Education, that's when right. they started. Right, and that we, that meant that they had people in there that was teaching from a real world perspective. Everybody right. that taught there had to have at least four years industry experience. Right, Damn, so, right. Big fact, so big fact. yeah, so it wasn't like you could you couldn't just have somebody that that was just a pure academic scholar and never was in the field doing it. They right. wanted to make sure that anybody who teaches there is, was, is currently or was still right. in the field as well as teaching. So I love, right. so what I love about Fulsa is that they want you to be in the field. They will let you take time off of school to go work on a project, to go get real work, because that's what you're there for, to go get right. real world right. experience. So I love that, that. And you can't learn everything in four weeks from an instructor. So the fact that you're doing it in real in real time with people who are doing it in real time, there's no there's no substitution for that even in the classroom. So right. I, I totally understand that, bro. I totally understand that. Yeah, man. Um, go ahead. It's it's funny because I look back at one of the assignments I had. Uh, 
while I was attending Full Sail. And this was early on. Like, even this was, I think Instagram was just getting on the scene. YouTube okay. still wasn't quite what it was yet. Facebook, mm-hmm. social media was still, mm-hmm. you know, we had MySpace. Facebook was out since 2009. So it was still kind of developing, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember there was an assignment that I had to do. Uh, in fact, they wanted me to put together my own podcast intro. Yep, and, that was probably I was probably at the time digital literacy. So I, I had to do the same thing. That was probably one of those early one of those courses. Those yeah. Early, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's not called that now, but yeah, I because I, I had to do the same thing. <laughs> and, and and so I had I had to put it up on YouTube. I, I remember I shot it with my, with my my MacBook. I edited it, and it's funny because I saw it like three days ago on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. It's not, listen, you can't see it. It's not public, but I was just going through my YouTube channel because I'm starting my YouTube channel up now. Okay. And I'm like, wow. And I'm looking at, I listened to the intro, and in that intro, I, I was writing down my goals and what I wanted to do. Mind you, this is 11 years ago, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, it asked me, one of the questions they asked for us to respond to in the, in the, in the, uh, in the assignment was, what class are you most interested in or looks the most promising to you? Okay. Sure enough, I'm like, the marketing course looks okay. interesting to me. And I hadn't even got into the marketing space yet, but I'm like, yeah. something about this marketing course. Because I always used to tell people I stumbled upon marketing. But looking back at that video, I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I've always had this interest in marketing. You right. know, even right. just from a, a natural, organic, passionate level about wanting to understand the psychology about why people buy, why, what it's exactly. people. Exactly. Yep. The psychographic so now, demographics, right? Right. right. And, and now being here in the actual space, in the marketing space, I'm like, OK, this was this was destiny. This was what where I was supposed to be. This was my natural progression. So, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> man, I, I love that, man, because and yeah, and we, and we can pivot to that. I know we're, we're crunched for time. But yeah, man, able, what I love about Full Sail is that and only people that have gone to Full Sail understand how powerful of a place it really is. Because people on the outside always say, oh, it's a waste of time. It's too much. I I said, it costs the same thing. You know, University of Miami is private, but a a public university, it costs the same thing to go to a four university that it costs to full set. The only thing is, because it's truncated and compressed down in time, it seems like it's more money, but it's actually the same price. I mean, the difference between going to full sale versus going to a traditional business school is you Mm -hmm. might study Procter & Gamble in traditional right. business, but you're going to study Viacom or or or, or another program, another company right. in the entertainment space. So they still teach you the same business principles. But what I love about Full Sail is that, you know, it's just you go there for the networking, you go there for the people. And, and right. again, I had a chance to, my first month at Full Sail, I started in February of 2013. Okay, so yeah, you were right after me. Yeah, like, I, I started, was right of, I did about a year, and you was just I was getting on my way out. And yeah, a half okay. Out. <laughs> yeah, so I started my first month was Hall of Fame. So you know we do, the, you know they do the Hall of Fame every year. So mm-hmm, Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame week is like our homecoming because we don't have sports at first. Right, so that's like that's homecoming right. for us. So right around, usually around March or April. Back then they did it in February. But the first month they had uh, that I was there, uh, I think they inducted Marcella Rica, which is Miss okay. Lago. Miss Lago, she's mix engineer, mix 
Right, right. You know what I mean? So I can't give yeah, yeah. all the credit she has. But that let me know that that this place works. Right? Right. Everybody talks a lot of shit about a full set of, like I said, so is any other school. The only job of school is to give you skills and training. Right. What you do with that after that is up to you. It goes for any school. So people just right. education in general, you know, as co- as we, you know, we're coaches, as coaches, we, we can't guarantee people's success. No, you can't. That's you not can't. what you can do. Like if you take the tools we're giving you, our real job right. is to help you become help you be an account be an accountability partner for you. But ultimately, right. Right. what are your goals and dreams? Look, everybody cannot be in the one percent. Okay, I'm sorry. Right. Everybody, we have, to dispel, we have to dispel that myth. Everybody cannot be in the right. 1%. It's not possible. Right. Some right. people are going to, let's equate it to sports. Everybody can't play in the NBA. Right. right. But can you go play in Europe, Europe and play right. ball? Right, right. Like, right. let's be right. honest. Everybody will have the skill set to play in the NBA. Right. You might have been a great college player, but guess what? You went cutting it because it's a different type of it's a different beast. When you get to the one percent of the music industry, one percent of the of the entertainment industry, that is the elite of the elite. Very few people get to that level. Like we and I think we have to dispel this thing where if you don't get to that level of success, somehow you're not successful. That's crazy. Right. That, that, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. See, that is crazy to me that artists feel like or they feel like they have to do everything everybody else does. If you're not a dancer, I don't need you to be on the stage dancing. Don't feel like you need right. to be everything. If you're a guy that just wants to play, that plays the keyboard, and that's what you're good at, right. Brian right. McKnight makes a lot of money going to Asia and <laughs> other places, playing that goddamn keyboard and guitar. Right. You don't see right. Brian out here trying to do a bunch of backflips on stage. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. And, and, right. and all that, and all that type of deal, man. So. So that's really big, man. So talk to me about uh, your, your HC, IBA, Icon Breaking AC, man, before we get out of here, man. Talk to me about why you started that, you know, and, and your passion behind that as a consultant, all that. Yeah. Know, about 10 minutes. You know, yeah. So IBA, which stands for Icon Breaking Agency, it, it was a gift. It's, it's, it was birthed out of everything I've been through in this business, everything I've, I've experienced, mm-hmm. right? Because it started, you know, I got my my digital, my certification for digital marketing probably around about summer of 2018. Okay. And I initially thought I was getting that certification because a, a good friend of mine asked me to be a part of his startup marketing company which had nothing to do with music marketing. It was just a startup marketing company he started down here. In fact, we were going to target restaurants, uh, real estate clients, and then music was more on the back burner because my background with music. But I got into digital marketing because the friends say, hey, he's, I know what you bring to the table as a person, as a, as a, as a businessman. I want you a part of my company. Right. And so I came into the company at the time, 2018, marketing company startup, and we had like a graphic designer, we had a website guy, we had a sales guy, but nobody really knew digital marketing or social media marketing right. at the time. And social media was really starting to boom. Right. So I took it upon myself and said, you know what, I'm going to go get these courses. I'm going I'm to get my digital market uh, certification via Ty Lopez, who's responsible for some probably the, the most social media agencies right now. 
And yeah. um, I got certified, started to apply what I learned. Unfortunately, that marketing company, that startup, it folded, you know. But <laughs> in that process, I'm like, man, why don't I don't just I should just apply what I'm learning on a social media marketing level to to the music business, to the music industry. And at the time, 2018, a lot of the practices that were very successful for, you know, social media marketing and e-commerce were not being practiced in the music business. Right. So it was like, here's an opportunity to get in this space. And I just started putting out content, man. I remember my Instagram page, I had like 300 followers. Right. And I just started putting out content, whatever I could to put out content based on what I was learning. And people started to respond well to it. And mm -hmm. another friend of mine was like, Keys, you need to talk more, bro. People want to hear your voice. Your voice matters. Yeah. And that's when I just started to make more videos of me talking more. And then it's like the floodgate started to open up different opportunities, new mentors, new business partners, new business associates started to come through the pipeline. And here we are five years later, you know, still in this space, uh, really helping creatives build their brand, you know, grow their fan bases the right way. You yeah. know what I mean? I love yeah. that, man. You don't, you don't teach the, the, the virality you know, like I said, like we're kind of like, you know, brothers and cousins. Like, okay, because we talk about the same things. That's why I said, man, right. we can support everybody because you and I have right. the same philosophy. What we talk, we teach, and right. we, we might just call us something a little bit different. That's why I said, there's enough room for all of us. And I love that yeah. you don't teach virality or like getting lucky, right? There, no, right. there is luck a part of success. So I tell you all the time, right, right, right. Luck is a part of success, right? Anybody tell you that it isn't, they're lying to you. You got to get a little bit lucky along the way. You can, right. you can, you can work your ass off and, yeah. and nothing happens. Yeah. But you have but to we, there's, there's a saying, though, like, luck favors the prepared. Exactly. exactly. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's why, like you said, I you know, I was somebody just asked me today, somebody went viral. They're not in the music business. They went viral. Her daughter went viral on some video. And she's like, why can't I make money off of this? And it's like, well, you weren't prepared for that moment. It just happened. You got it, lucky. Yeah, yeah. It happened, but you weren't prepared, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I preach preparation. Yeah. You know, let's let's chase preparation. Let's chase getting prepared. Let's chase getting all the things that we need. So if and when you do go viral, you're prepared. You can maximize right. it. You can really maximize and, it. And that's, like, and that's like people who go on these react my my colleague, Brianna Relish, she has this summit, the reality show singing summit, and she talks about that because some people go on these reality shows and they're not uh, to sing, and they're not prepared if they get into that top 10 or that top four, and then they have nothing to fall back on when they get off the show because they haven't been properly prepared. But right. also, too, you're in a, you're in some, I'm sure you're in some kind of crazy-ass contract, too, but some of them are, are not able to capitalize off that because, you know, you know, once nobody, once you're off that that national spotlight, now what happens? But if you right. go in there, with, if you go in there with a goal and making sure that you're connected with the right people, so that if you do get the chance to be seen by all these eyeballs in America, you're able to take that. So now, oftentimes you don't want to win those competitions. Oftentimes you're just using it as a as a as a vision, as a launching pad to. Um, to let people know what you have going on, man. So I totally understand. I totally love that, man. Love everything you've done with Icon, Icon Breaking Agency, man. It's great stuff. Thank you. You know, Thank so you. yeah, man. We've got a couple minutes left, man. So, uh, sure. and I definitely want to come back because we had the, we had, this was 
we had to we had to cut it short today, so we're gonna have to do a part. Even two. if I can go a little bit longer if you need to. So I mean, okay, if okay. you want to keep going, we're good. We could, you know, I want to make sure we get the important stuff talked about, and even if we we set another time to come back too. But I I got some time, so okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, we'll do hold on. So it we we'll back. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, man. No. So I think that you know. A lot of the stuff. So you don't got to go too deep into it, man. But what's the kind of premise behind your 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 signature rollout strategy? Don't give them to me the potatoes. They got to pay for that. But like, you know, what, <laughs> what, what 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 made you kind of say, okay, this uh, eleven week rollout strategy? Talk to me quickly yeah. about that. Yeah. So it's it's like I was saying. You know, I'm all about preparation, right? And you know, and it's like I tell people, you know, so the eleven week rollout strategy is a six week pre release strategy and a five-week post-release strategy. So, and I came up with, it, it was, it started out with nine actually, right? And I ended up giving that strategy away to a well-known management company that kind of went and ran with it. So I'm not going to talk about that. So I, I had to switch it up a little bit, but it, it's about, you know, it's a six-week pre-release strategy and a five-week post-release strategy. And it's like I said, look, I'm not saying that you should be promoting this release six weeks before you drop it. Right. But we know with the 120,000 songs out there, Spotify alone says that they want your song at least four to six weeks in their system. If you want to really be considered for editorial playlists, because they're getting so many songs to them today that they have real people, real editors that's listening to this music for consideration. So the six week pre-release is all about preparation, you know, getting the song into the into your distributor, you know, the final mix and master version with their cover art. Okay, you got it into the distributor. Now, you want to make sure you go through that music registration process. So you know, important. Because you have Very the important. right codes. Yeah. You have yeah. The, the ISRC codes, the UPC codes. Now you need to go ahead and register everything with BMI, sound exchange. Because the funny thing is, a lot of artists know they need a BMI or ASCAP account, but so many artists don't take the time to actually register the yeah, song. And, 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 and the double down on that, bro, they have no idea what they even do. They don't even know what a PRO does. So I ask people, right. do, you, do you understand what being, oh, so I need to sign up. They have no clue. See, here's right. the thing, going back to the education thing. Education, I always say, if you go to my website, it's the missing link for most creators because right. this industry is an industry where it's non-regulated. I mean, you don't have to have a license to be right, right. in entertainment. You know, right, you, right. to practice law, you need a license. To be a doctor, you yeah. need a license. To be, right. to be in real estate, you need a license. Being yeah, finan- yeah. the financial markets need a license because right, we have right. to know you have like you have to be held accountable. Like you can't take somebody's yeah. hard earned retirement four one k and and fuck it up and not be like oh, okay, well sorry, you know, like no, they have to make sure yeah. you know what you're doing with people's retirements, people's stuff. Yeah. You know when you're selling homes, you know the rules and you know the regulations of what you need to be doing. So problem with entertainment in general is that there, none of that exists. So right. people come into this space thinking just because they get into a home studio that they're in the music business or they're in the entertainment right, business. Right. And it's like, it don't work like that. You right. know, you right. need to have the, the proper education that's yes. required. Education right? There, there yeah. is a yeah. different education that's required to be in our industry that yeah. most people just don't want to take the time to do, especially in urban yeah. black music. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> especially in urban black music, 
our people don't want to do none of that. They don't. Right. They want. They 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 want you to. They want you to. They want. They want to you to 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 say, hey, well, work, what's going to work with me for free? Which is crazy, but they want you to be like, hey, I'm gonna pay you three grand or five grand. You're gonna do all the work. I'm gonna sit back. And it's like it don't work like that because what happens when because no two people's and you hear this all the time. No two people's career path is ever the same. Right. Right. It's ever exactly. the same. They can be similar, but it's no, never the same. Never the same, right? Well, work, well, work for Susie ain't gonna work for Johnny. You right. know what I'm saying? That you know they you know they may have similar right similar success. So people have to go into that understanding that like there's no cookie cutter approach to this. No, not even, at all. Even with you know, and you know your formula works, you know, but even with that, you can't guarantee what the results are going to be. Nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody can. No, and I think that's the problem. Can. And there's so many, bro, there's so many gurus on social media. You don't know, you don't know who to trust. And everybody's oh, yeah, saying that's, that's the big part. <laughs> everybody's saying, bro, run ads, run ads, run ads, run ads. I said, I don't preach that. You know, that, right, that right. comes at a certain level. If you, if you if I I'm if I'm teaching foundational principles, the ads, you're not ready for that yet. If you I, don't I un- say it like this, you know, ads are like a microphone. Yeah, you know, and it's just the same thing. You know, we're talking about a microphone without auto tune, without the plug-ins. Yeah. But yeah, just because you get in front of a microphone and I start singing, don't mean it's gonna doesn't mean it's gonna sound good. The microphone only amplifies right. what what's being put into there. So it's the same thing. If if the content isn't good or if it's not formatted yeah. the right way for social media, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful doing this. You yeah. know, yeah. you got to really understand that. You know, you got to really understand. Hey. What's what's the strategy you know for for my content for this platform? You know mm-hmm. what am I going to do? And that's that's one of the things, like I said, that we really cover in the eleven week rollout strategy. The pre release, you you get it into the system, you take care of your business. Now we need to prepare content. You know, I tell artists you need to have probably four or five different pieces of content so you can test ads, right? But you still want this different type of content. Um, and so you can have it even, you know, I, I think an artist shouldn't run ads if they're not in a place where they're posting consistently, right? Yep. I think that's first. I think you finding out and, and understanding what your audience likes, what they like from you is, is way before you should get to the point to you're running ads. Now, once you've been posting content consistently, right, and you got the content together, like I said, the pre-release strategy is all about preparation because what you don't want to do you don't want to be with that song is live where you're you on your live and you're oh man what am I going to post how yeah. am I going to build brand awareness around this song so mm-hmm. in this this time period while you got to have the music early into Spotify anyways why not go ahead and get your content together shoot a bunch of content you know I, I tell artists do you have thirty piece at least thirty pieces of content ready to go to 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 build awareness around this release and to promote this release and so. Even with us, when you when you understand the ads platform, it's about testing. You gotta test, 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 because again, it's it's no cookie cutter. What worked for this artist may not be why people like you. So you want to get into the position where you're testing and we're showing you, okay, you got this content together. We we already ready to go now. Okay, we can test. You test on your page. You know what I mean? You can tell by okay, well, when I post a performance video outside. I get more engagement versus if it's a real video. 
or yeah. when it's and so you're looking at the and you're testing now okay we've tested so much now we're ready to run ads you know what i mean yeah. and even yeah. still when you're running ads you still want to do more tests because the ads yeah. algorithm works on based on okay if you feed it enough data if i say i get an ads algorithm six different pieces of content six ad creatives now the ads algorithm like okay keys is trying to figure out which of this content is going to perform the best and so we're testing, we're looking at the data, and based on the engagement, based on the insights, that tells you what to do. You know, if, yeah, exactly. if, this, if, this, if this is performing better, then you do more of that. You double yeah. down on it. And, you know, I, and, I, and I recently just started kind of running ads myself, because I've never really been an ad guy. So I'm literally testing stuff out, too, because, you know, this look, this algorithm is crazy. Like, and nobody really knows <laughs> what the algorithm is really looking at. I mean, you drive yourself nuts trying to uh, figure it all out. But like you say, man, don't focus so much on the numbers. Me, I'm going to try to go live more. What kind of thing that's been really discouraging me on live with Instagram is that I don't get a lot of reach on IG when I'm going live. So it's right. not so much an incentive for me to go live more. But I need to go live because you see you go live all the time. But I see... That is that it's been really beneficial and, for you. And that's, that's at, at first I wasn't doing much of it, but even just talking to other people, you know, people outside of the music business that understand the social media, that understand the e-commerce, that you know, the, the goal with going live, yeah, I don't care what you're doing, whether you're an artist, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur and selling t-shirts. The people that come onto your live they are more of what we call a warm, hot audience. So yeah, in marketing, we got cold audience, you got hot audience, right? right, right Obviously, right, right. a cold audience is going to be much harder to convert. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's going to be more people in your cold audience typically than they're in your hot audience. Right. Well, so what we know is with the live is, and I've seen this from somebody else watching somebody else. I've seen somebody do a sale on their live, and they sold like 50% of the people that was on their live. And mm. I was like, oh, the people that's on my live, they're more of a hot audience. Yeah. So therefore... I can convert them easier. Yeah. These are the people, and, and if you just to translate to artists, the people that's on your live, these people are more your super fans. Yeah. So you need to focus on converting them, and and and, and it might start with the number small. It may be, you know, five people on the live, but still, now if you know, okay, forty to fifty percent, thirty to fifty percent of the people on this live are are is my hot audience. I can convert them. That means two of those three people, you can convert right. them to a super fan. Yeah. And so now maybe I can sell them. I can sell a, a hoodie to them, yeah. you know, or I can yeah. get them to give me their email or their phone number so yeah. I can follow up later. So that's the thing with going live. And it's, it's just a tool. You know, the thing is with these social media platforms, you got to use the features on the platform, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's all it is, you know, because I do go live because it's like I tell artists, every platform has the same goal. Yeah. And that's to keep people on the platform. Yeah. So if Instagram sees, hey, Keys is going live you know, three times a week, they'll start to reward me even in the algorithm, in the time, in the feed, in the timeline feed. Yeah, yeah. So it's because I'm utilizing the features on the platform. Same thing with TikTok. I need to be better on TikTok with going live. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. utilizing the features on these platforms, the, right. the cameras, the green screen, they're going to push that stuff because you're spending time on the platform. So, yeah. and, and that's all it really is at the end of yeah. the day. But yeah. a lot of the stuff is just trial and error, man. You figure it out. Because right. I show up every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. You show up every day. Yeah. So the more you show up every day, you start to figure it out. And then, yeah. like I said, sometimes it's the stuff you least expect. Some of the stuff that went viral for me, I had no idea it was going to go viral and it just hit. 
Yeah, and I, 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 you know? and, I, and I see it because you you take time and put together your green screens, and I love how you you do a lot of repurposing of other people's content of Gary wow. V's and Dipsy House. Yeah, I notice it hits. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, but yeah, even with yeah. that, and one of the things I talk about in the rollout strategy, even before we get to like specific marketing, but in branding, right? Knowing your core values as a brand. Absolutely. That's why I can repurpose somebody else's content. It don't always have to be me. Yeah. I can repurpose somebody else's content as long as it's in line with my brand. Yeah. It's in line with my brand core values. The one of the biggest pieces of content I had that went viral was that that Michael Jordan post, you know. Yeah. That yeah. Piece, that's an interview from over 20, 20 years ago, 19 yeah. years ago. And but what he's talking about in that right. video it's is relevant. in line with my brand, you right. know, what I believe in my core values. And sure enough, I know little things. Okay, yeah, I need a header on it. You know, um, that's a marketing thing I got from David Ogilvy, who was the the marketer behind Rolls Royce. It's like your headline is seventy percent of the battle. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, I get yeah, the right yeah. headline on this video, get the right three to five second sound bite. I know I got three to five seconds to get your attention. Yeah, you know, five yeah. seconds on 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 Instagram considered the view. So I know I need the perfect sound bite within those three to five seconds. To stop you dead in your track. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if I can get that, now I format the rest of the video accordingly. But that's my goal is the, a lot of the repurposed content that you see I use, you you won't even find the original content edited that way. Because I've edited and formatted specifically to capture people's attention on social media. Uh, yeah, I love that, man. I love that. I love that. And I definitely want to start doing some of that myself, man. You know, I, I recently started doing something called the Daily Difference. Um, where I'm basically just and and I'm purposing it under again everything for me is core audience so like usually I've been I've been talking about the different parts of the what I call the brand position statement or some people call this um, you can call it the brand position you can call it the elevator pitch essentially what I call it is the community you want to serve who you are why should somebody care Right, once you right. because once you figure out those, those yeah. yeah, those back down to the core values, right? So right. same type of thing, right? So when you understand the community that you're looking to serve, it makes it much easier when you're going to create content because you know who right. you're trying to serve. I right. find that most artists and creatives have problems because they don't really know who they're talking to. Right, right. They you know, know what I'm saying? So they're kind of like, well, you're trying to talk to everybody. But everybody exactly. Stop <laughs> trying to talk to everybody. Everybody not your target. You are targeting yeah. a specific group of people. Five, look, there's 8 billion people on the planet. Why are you trying to get everybody? You just yeah. need, yeah. you get 10,000 people, spend 100 a year, you're a millionaire. Yeah. yeah. 10,000 exactly. people, ain't a lot. 10,000 people in your core is not a lot, but you have to serve them consistently. That's the thing. It's yeah. like the people don't, con- once you get people into your text list or email list, you got to serve them over and over again because eventually they will forget about you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. For sure. So, you, so that's, sure. a, that's a problem I think a lot of artists are having too. It's like you have to serve them. You have to, but let them know that they matter. Damien Keyes talked about that. He said, your super fans want to know you care about what they have to say. Right. You know, right. care about we you. Have a, yeah. We, we have a saying, you know, uh, and I'm sure you'll edit out, but it, it's find <laughs> a niche and make that niche your bitch. Like, stop trying to be yeah. everywhere, you know, find yeah. that niche. And it's okay asking you 
you you own that to expand. Now you can get a couple of moments, but yeah, know, right, 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 right. That one first, right? No, bro, you know I mean? man. Once you do that, you can you can you bro, it'll do wonders for you. It's the same thing how people try to be these serial entrepreneurs. They want eight right. like stop. Oh my gosh, I, I can't that. stand that. Like I like I can't it. stand I people that try to do it. that, bro. Because it's like man, one one. Okay, I'm always getting pitched for MLMs, multi-level marketing. I, I say no because I'm not passionate about it. We we are directly aligned with that. That's my I, thing. I, I I'm just not passionate about it. And what happens if you I, I know how much money I can make? Yeah. In, in, in passively, if it's not. And my you thing know, is, like, I'm not passionate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my thing is like this. If you know me online for promoting music, what I do with artists, and I'm promoting something else, that is a that doesn't go that that messes it up because people right. know me for doing this. If it's I'm just confusion. yes, if I'm switching it up because you putting this new shiny idea, it that I never agree with that because it's like I just I just don't agree. And the truth is, most people never make any goddamn money in network marketing anyway because. You don't have the skill sets. See, every um, no label necessary. Plugging them, those guys, Brandman, Sean, yeah. and Corey, right? Yeah. They they, yeah. they interviewed no, no, they they interviewed Clinton Sparks, and Clinton Sparks said, "Okay, we have to stop saying because I, he did it, I can do it too." No, right, right, that right. is incorrect because no. you don't know the skill set that that other person has. Yeah, the person has. You may not be able to do what they do. Yeah. So we have to stop saying, "Oh, if he did it." I can do it too. No, a lot of factors have to factor in. So when people go to these these network marketing meetings, I used to go to when they used to be on the hotels back in the day, but now they're on right. Zoom. But people, are, well, he's he's a five star director, and he's his downline is making thirty thousand dollars a month. Do you really understand what it requires to make thirty grand a month? Yeah, that's do you realize how much work you have to put in to make thirty thousand dollars a month? You have to yeah. dedicate your life to that. Right. You can't do yeah. any if you're gonna get into the MLM space, you can't really do nothing else but MLM. Right, right. If you're gonna do it well. If you want to do it well and make the money that they're talking about making. So I try not to get involved right. in stuff like that. Right. Now I let them pitch me. I'll I'll go out because you know, hey, I'll listen. But I usually always right. know, you know, I'm just not right. I'm gonna say no because it's just not for me. Like this entertainment is what I love, is what I know. And it's, right. a, and it's a tough space, but it's what yeah. I'm confident in. I know that I can get on. I know that I can get on a Zoom call, or I can get on a podcast. I can be confident in what right. I'm talking about. You know what I mean. So, so yeah, I can't stand. Things, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one of the things I have artists do is is this thing called Eulerian Destiny. Okay. And um, as I was doing, I even found out uh one of my former clients, uh, his artist, uh, his manager was is a former NFL player. Okay. Hey, told me this was something that the NFL used to do back in the combine. I don't know if they still do it, but the Eulerian Destiny. What did you grow up around? What do most people compliment me on? What do strangers compliment me on? What can I talk about endlessly? What would I be doing for free, right? And it's it's a Venn diagram, right? And the goal is to kind of find that common denominator amongst all those questions, but it allows you to sit in a unique space where only you can sit and it, it, it's something you're passionate about, you know? And I think that's the key for artists, entrepreneurs, find that you're laying destiny for you. Find that sweet spot, that spot that only you can live in. Nobody else can live in that spot because it's your destiny. 
And and the more you can build on that, that's where you're going to see the success you want. I, and I think the other thing that confuses people is you need you need four to seven streams of income. Well, if you're an entrepreneur, that don't mean you start out doing four side four or seven different businesses. You figure out how to make that one business generate four different streams of income. Exactly. You know what I mean? Maybe right. you provide a service. Now you got a service provider product or a course. Maybe yeah. you're selling something, some merchandise or something else. Find other ancillary yeah. uh, revenue streams within that business before you go and say, I'm going to start three new businesses. Because it's like you said, a lot, of art, a lot of people get to the point where they're making, you know, especially new entrepreneurs, they're making six, 7000 a month. Then they may get to the 10000 10,000 spot, but then they're ready to jump into something. No, if you got it to 10 to 20,000, figure out how you get it to 200,000 a month. Yeah. That's that's yeah. how you're going to really win. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, yeah. that's so key for me, man. Yeah. It, it a really lot is. of people do that. And it's like, I, I stay, if I don't want this media shit's hard enough for me to try to be focused on other stuff and I'm promoting other things. It just, I don't know, I, I, it, it bothers me when I see, when I see people preaching that serial entrepreneurship and no, like, I think you, it's crazy. It's crazy because, especially it, if you haven't got a business to generate a million dollars yet. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right, like, right, if right, you got right. a business generating a million dollars now, you got a manager running that business. Then, yeah, yeah, you want to explore some other passions, cool. But yeah. you know, focus on the main thing until the main thing. You know, yeah, make exactly. The main thing. The main, the main thing. thing you know I mean? LeBron James always said that basketball, as much as he's doing, because he understood basketball is the reason why I have all these other things I'm doing. So the main thing right. got to be the main thing. And so many people yeah. make that mistake of trying to do seven or eight different on. things that don't have yeah. really anything to do with each other. So now your, atten your attention is is being yeah. pulled in several different directions. And I just, I don't think it's wise, man. I just don't think it's wise. No, it's, not. it's not. Man, this, see, this has been so fun, bro. Uh, so fun yeah. to, to do this. And we got to come back and do this again. Then. But before we get out of here, how can people find you? How can they connect with you? Uh, how can they get your course? That type of deal. Yeah. So I'm, you can find me on all platform. Keys, the producer. That's K-E-Y-Z. So Keys with a Z. The producer, T-H-E. Everything else is spelled as is, as is. Keys, the producer on all platform. You know, you can definitely check out the 11-week rollout strategy course, which is about over four hours of video tutorials from myself, breaking down everything from you know, what you want to be doing six weeks from a preparation standpoint, getting your content together, how you run these ad campaigns, the tools I utilize to make the ads even easier. You know, we got certain tools and software we use that makes the ad process so dumbed down. I can teach a nine-year-old how to do it. And yeah. so definitely check out the 11-week rollout strategy course. Or if you just want to link and talk one-on-one -on -one with me, you can definitely do that. Shoot me a DM on any platform. I'm pretty good response with me responding back to you for sure great man guys this has been a great episode man with somebody that i really have a lot of respect for and appreciation Likewise. for in the space Likewise. man so this has been great man this and we're going to definitely have you come back and dive even deeper in some other stuff um more educational based stuff uh so we'll do that yeah, again sure. and even you know more stuff with your of your story because again we didn't even get to cover a lot of it because you know could be here for hours <laughs> yeah, we we literally, literally, you know, but that's that's I yeah. realize this it's, it's going on like twenty three years for me since I've been like just in this space, in this music industry space, you know. Yeah, so I'm man. grateful and I'm blessed for sure. For sure, man. Guys, it's been another great episode of the Encourage Inspire Podcast. It's your host, Darrell Peart. Till next time I'm out of here. Peace.